Sarah, thank you very much to Compass for organizing this breakfast meeting. Um, at the Migration Policy Group, we like to lead these kind of comparative research projects that allow policymakers, stakeholders to take evidence and hopefully bring it into their debates so that we can have a uh, debate that's more based on the facts in this area. So I'm very glad then to cut my uh, holiday short in the English countryside and, and come here to the Boston metropolis for this. I am going to give you an overview of what the Migrate Integration Policy Index is. Um, you can discover so much more on the website, mypex.eu. There we have not only all of the results, but we've also built in a lot of interactive tools so you can generate all these kind of graphs and charts uh, yourself. So this is a study which was published in February, but we aim to continue this um, on an ongoing basis to monitor all of the policy developments in all of the EU countries, uh, Canada, the United States, and, and some more countries in the future. And the purpose of this, of this monitor is to have better public knowledge and transparency of the different sorts of integration policies that we are generating and renewing, and to make them then more transparent, and hopefully to provide better comparative evidence so that the public knows uh, what are the policies in place in different countries, what changes are being adopted, what kinds of objectives actually lie behind uh, those changes, what evidence base was brought to justify the change, and then in a broader context, what are the trends uh, internationally, regionally, and what are the standards uh, which are being adopted from the European Union, Council of Europe, uh, the UN, which are changing those policies. So obviously integration is a, is a term that many people like to define and to redefine. Uh, the MIPEX measures uh, policies from an equal treatment perspective, which you often will find in the international and European standards. So generally, the MIPEC score tells you whether all legal residents have equal rights, responsibilities, and uh, opportunities in society, uh, because this then helps to promote uh, integration within society. So it positions equal treatment as a, a first step in the longer process of integrating societies. Obviously, equal treatment and legal status is not the only factor that influences integration outcomes, but uh, from the MIPEX point of view, it certainly sets the conditions. So we look at currently seven areas of integration as a, a multi-dimensional <coughs> process. Uh, I list them here, and I'll go through a number of them in the uh, presentation. You see the uh, stars by labor market mobility, family reunion, political participation, and long-term residence. These four areas particularly concern uh, policies for third country nationals, uh, immigrants coming from outside of Europe, while the others are, I think, are relevant for all foreigners and in some of these areas actually for uh, all residents, uh, regardless of their status or regardless of their nationality. So as Sarah mentioned, the, the MIPEX then contains 148 indicators of these different policies where we really try to map what are the different options for a specific policy? Does that policy tend towards equal treatment, or does that tend towards unequal treatment with nationals? And then we can actually categorize every country on that spectrum, so we can directly compare between countries in the uh, seven areas here. So you can then look at the MIPEX at a specific policy and see where a country's uh, strengths and weaknesses are. 
and if there's been any progress over time. We've done a, a MyPEX in 2007, and as I said, we're going to continue this in future. And you can see why certain changes uh, were made, because we provide a lot of contextual information. And in terms of the scope, we're covering all the EU member states. Uh, you'll also see Norway and Switzerland, Canada and the United States. And soon uh, on the MyPix website, you'll find the data for Australia, for Japan. And we hope to extend this to all of the major liberal democracies that are uh, countries of immigration. And we get this data by working with national uh, legal experts who are independent of government. And they have to complete a comparative questionnaire, which we then check, and all of their answers are supposed to reflect the specific policy in place based on the actual documents passed. So specifically, uh, you can see where every change occurs, directly what law or what bill has changed that policy. We, at the current, with the current set of data, we are providing the policy landscape as of the 31st of May. Now, I want you to think about these three questions as I go through and I present where the UK particularly is going on integration policy. Because while MyPEX allows you to see where there are points of convergence across countries of immigration, it also allows you to see where there is a divergence. That is, where we're seeing changes in going in the opposite way, where some countries are tending towards equal treatment and others are tending towards uh, restrictionism. And I find that they're often around these three questions. So firstly, we find that um, decision makers in the countries of immigration today often disagree most about how to apply new conditions to immigrants. Often in our discussions, we see that everyone is talking about the same kinds of conditions. Uh, language is important, uh, employment is important, housing is important. And so then some policymakers want to make access to a legal status conditional upon language knowledge or employment or housing. But what employment? What housing? What language knowledge? And actually, if you look at those issues, there is extreme variation across the different EU countries or North America. So while um, some countries say, well, uh, we can't expect any more of immigrants than we expect of our own nationals, and so we should take some of our national benchmarks as conditions for immigrants, say, make having an income that's at the poverty line, or having uh, income that is equal to the minimum wage, or having any sort of housing. Some countries are tending towards those kind of uh, equal treatment benchmarks. And other countries are actually saying that migrants as uh, newcomers actually have to do better than our own citizens, and so we should expect more of them. And this is a real debate that you see then at the European level when these countries actually have to agree on some of these standards. A second related question that you're going to see in a lot of these points concerns uh, tests. Tests are one form of uh, creating a kind of condition to assess whether someone meets a housing criteria, a language criteria, a citizenship uh, knowledge criteria. And so while we find that countries are increasingly imposing uh, tests uh, for language and for uh, civic knowledge in, for certain statuses, I think the real question is, do countries actually want immigrants to succeed on these tests? Because some countries will actually provide the facilities for immigrants to then learn the language or to learn the knowledge. They will publish a study guide and they will publish the questions and the answers to those questions because ultimately their goal is for newcomers to learn this knowledge which is essential to society. <coughs> Whereas in others, this kind of facility will not be provided. And in fact, when immigrants pass these tests at high rates, um, that is not taken as a sign of success, but it's taken as a sign that the test is too easy to pass. 
which raises a question. What, what is the purpose of this, of this test? Um, what kind of success uh, do we want to succeed? And does the state have a role in encouraging immigrants to learn this knowledge? And uh, the third question uh, regards the uh, security of status, which I think is relevant in these discussions, not just about uh, international terrorism, but also about fraud, about uh, criminality. We see that in some of the countries across Europe, immigrants are made less secure in their legal status. What I mean by that is that um, an immigrant might actually meet all of the legal conditions to acquire a status, but there are increasingly very vague grounds that are added on which their application could be rejected or their permit withdrawn regarding issues such as uh, terrorism or criminality or fraud vaguely defined. And the premise behind these new grounds is often that uh, by making immigrants less secure in their status, society will become in some way more secure. And I think if that is the uh, objective here, we have to actually see if that actually works out in fact. Uh, if not, that just creates uh, insecurity uh, and a lack of clarity for migrants and for those trying to work with them and for ultimately the civil servants that have to decide on their cases. Now, to um, the results for the United Kingdom in this uh, May 2010 assessment, that's is, of course, on the eve of the elections here in the UK. We looked at, for six of the areas, not for education, we looked at the same questions for 2007 and 2010. So we can say whether in these six areas of integration, countries are making progress or are uh, backtracking. So if a country scored over 50 and it got slightly better, we would say, well, that's a leading country in Europe and North America. If it's a country that scored still over 50 out of the 100 in MIPEX, but it overall went down, we would say that the country was in reverse. So we found that the average country of immigration went up only by one point out of the 100 points uh, on the MIPEX scale, from which we conclude that um, actually changing policy in the field of integration is, is slow. Perhaps at the moment it seems sure, but it's, it's not necessarily a given. We found that um, there were nine of the countries that were already um, had slightly favorable uh, legal frameworks were continuing to improve. And you also see uh, that about six of the countries that were below average have been catching up in the fields of family reunion and long-term residence. We didn't see any countries really falling very, very far behind. Um, but we did find four leading countries um, which were in reverse. That would be Italy, Norway, and Sweden, which went down by one point out of the 100. And then the United Kingdom, which went down by uh, 10 points. Uh, so it uh, went down by the most of any of the European countries or, or compared to Canada. And the UK also very significantly fell out of the top 10 of the 31 countries uh, that we looked at. So the MIPEX found that this recent turn in policies in the UK made the conditions for integration slightly less favorable in the country because some of the new conditions, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, uh, may actually end up delaying or uh, discouraging uh, integration, discouraging immigrants and local communities from investing in this process. As I said, we also looked at why these changes are happening. Um, we asked what kind of evidence base is being used to motivate these changes. And we found that few of the changes that were proposed, the improvements or the deteriorations, were based on a, a hard assessment of the, of the facts. So we do see that increasingly um, countries are monitoring the statistics on the socioeconomic situation of immigrants, uh, so-called integration outcomes, let's say. 
But that doesn't mean that then uh, governments are assessing whether their policies had any impact on those statistics. So while we are having better data on integration, we're not necessarily getting the evaluations of policy impact that you would need in order to make a policy uh, change. We saw that data was being better used in, in some of the uh, harder social areas, like uh, in employment or in education policy. There we saw that, that kind of data on immigrants' outcomes in schools or on employment rates or qualification rates were being used to create new policies. But in some of the other areas that are equally important for integration, like uh, citizenship or uh, family policy or, or settlement policy, we found that the changes were often motivated by uh, elections, uh, electoral promises or upcoming elections, um, and also by public perceptions of issues. Not necessarily by public experiences of issues, but what you find when you, when you poll the public. And uh, that was very much true for uh, the United Kingdom, where the uh, changes uh, that I'm going to get into, the, the earned citizenship package, uh, was largely justified in order to restore public confidence in the uh, migration system and in mitigating local impacts. So while I would say that the uh, importance of elections and public perceptions were important in the UK, the UK is not alone. Immigration has become equally politicized in countries like France, Italy, the Netherlands, Denmark, Austria, um, particularly where the right or, or where the far right are, are having a quite sway on the issues of immigration. Um, but less so in some of the areas, um, in some of the countries which are actually improving the most in integration policy or are leading in this index, like in Sweden or Spain or Portugal or, or Germany, which is actually making uh, slow and steady progress here. Now, as I said, the uh, United Kingdom went down 10 points, and uh, that was largely explained by one piece of legislation, by the 2009 Borders Citizenship and Immigration Act. With that act, we saw that um, indefinite leave to remain here, which in, um, in comparative terms is often referred to as long-term residence, uh, that indefinite leave to remain and access to nationality would no longer be the kind of useful tools that they once were in the UK for promoting the long-term integration of, uh, of migrants. So that bill brought a 30-point drop in uh, UK score on long-term residence. It brought a 16-point drop on access to nationality. There were slight changes on family reunion. I hope to get to those. And just to note, there were some improvements in the UK. The uh, 2010 Equality Act. Um, we found that it might make it slightly easier for discrimination victims to bring forward their cases and for the government to promote equality more widely in society. But my remarks today are really going to focus more on the issues of settlement, citizenship, and, and family policy, because I know that's the debate now. I, I think I heard that yesterday the government published its settlement paper. So there might be further changes here, and I hope that some of the comparative data that we have in MyPEX can enrich that debate. So as I said, the UK went down substantially for the obstacles that were created with the earned citizenship package. Um, and actually, the UK's policies on permanent residence would become the weakest in Europe and in North America. Um, you see here uh, on, the, on the top graphic that the UK score would have fallen down to 31. It would have fallen the most of any country, and it would have fallen to be, to be the lowest. Uh, it would be lower even than the policy in Ireland, which doesn't actually have a permanent residence status uh, to speak of. And it would be much farther below all the European countries because together they have agreed an EU directive in this area to set minimum standards on long-term residence, and the UK opts out of that directive. 
and it would score much, far, much farther below the North American countries of immigration because there they tend to encourage the temporary migrants that they attract to switch over eventually and, and settle down permanently if they don't actually come permanently to the country. And we also found that the United Kingdom was one of the only countries recently to make a substantial backtracking on its policies on uh, nationality. And actually, we found that the, the trend, especially in Europe, is to open uh, slightly access to uh, nationality as countries recognize themselves as countries of immigration. So the UK's uh, backtracking here is rather significant in comparison. And what largely then this, uh, this did was that the early citizenship package would have introduced a great number of restrictive conditions. Um, and it would also restrict the category of persons that could apply for permanent residence or for citizenship. And so we actually found that some of these uh, conditions would be uh, some of the most restrictive in Europe uh, on pair with uh, here for long-term residence on par with Germany or, or with uh, Switzerland. So this, uh, these plans from the previous government were cut short. Uh, they were going to go further to have a points-based system of citizenship and for the uh, Runnymede Trust, our MIPEX national partner, we did a, a further prospective impact assessment and we found that if those uh, points system-based uh, uh, approach had been adopted, then the conditions really would have been the most onerous, uh, partly because one of the objectives of this points-based system was to actually control the number of persons who would pass on from permanent residence to, to citizenship, uh, an objective which we don't find in any of the other countries of immigration, to, to look at settlement from a numbers point of view. And it was uh, useful in that assessment also to, uh, to use MIPEX in, to intervene in the public discussion. At the time, uh, the immigration minister had said that this points-based system was what America does, what France does, it's what other countries do, and we think we should do the same. So we could see, actually, if it was similar to what other countries were doing. And as I said, we did not find that the case. Actually, what the UK was previously doing on citizenship was what most countries uh, were doing at the time. Um, a few last words on the points-based system. Some countries have learned from, uh, have picked up on this discussion of uh, earned citizenship and points-based system. Um, the UK, of course, is still a, a leader in discussing issues of uh, diversity and in citizenship. So uh, in France and Austria, points-based systems have been discussed for uh, residents. And they have now been adopted in Denmark and in Italy uh, since then. So you can see that, like in the United Kingdom, uh, a points-based system leads to basically more restrictive conditions. But what I think is another interesting question, though, is who earns this uh, path to citizenship? Because in the United Kingdom, what happened with this bill was not only that more restrictive conditions were introduced, but also some people, some temporary migrants, were no longer allowed to apply for this path, even though they might be in the country over a longer period of time. So that kind of restrictive conditions and restrictive eligibility you only find in a few countries here, like, like France or like Germany, where you also hear discussions about uh, not earned citizenship, but you're normally restrictions, and it's too easy to pass on from one side to another. Whereas if you look at a country like uh, Denmark that adopted a points-based system, the idea was that anyone in the country could apply for permanent residence. They had to meet restrictive conditions. Or if you take an example like Canada, many forms of temporary work visas allow people to then switch to a permanent residence uh, permit. And actually, many people still come into Canada through permanent residence. So they might have a more inclusive eligibility for those who meet the more restrictive conditions. 
So in, um, since we did the MIPEX in November of this year, the um, Home Secretary announced that the current government is not going to pursue the earned citizenship approach um, and that the pre-2009 rules still remain on the books. So I went onto the MIPEX website and I changed back the UK's scores to see actually what is the situation then today. And you see that um, not much really then has changed. We have the same rules in place. And therefore, on the MIPEX scale, uh, we would say actually that the current UK rules on long-term residence and citizenship are back to being major strengths for integration policy in the United Kingdom. That uh, we find that non-EU citizens, they still have to, of course, earn the right to uh, indefinitely to remain in citizenship in the UK, uh, because they still have to prove that they speak English, that they have close ties with the UK, that they've uh, learned about life here. They can still be rejected on several grounds. but. The current system uh, on the MIPEX scale comes out as more clear and more inclusive. So from our perspective, that actually means that the conditions are actually slightly favorable for uh, permanent settled immigrants and for future uh, citizens. And if you look at the current policy in the UK, it actually comes out as very similar to the Canadian citizenship policy, um, which comes out in the MIPEX scale as being one of the more clear and professional uh, obviously, Canada, the US, and Australia have more established systems, so they're not as contested. And, and we've also seen some of the effects of those inclusive citizenship policies in those countries. We've seen um, higher naturalization rates. We've seen better employment outcomes for people who do end up naturalizing, um, and higher levels of uh, political activity uh, among newcomer migrants. But in Europe, ideas of uh, opening citizenship and settlement to migrants are, are new and are often missing from a lot of the integration strategies. So it's, it's not clear, I think, where the UK is going to be going in the future on these issues. I think that uh, before this recent turn in policy, the debates that you heard in the UK were much more similar to the debates in Canada, actually. How can we promote citizenship? How can we promote a common identity? Uh, the discussions here in the UK about uh, Britishness that also came with the adoption of the Life in the UK test, the creation of the uh, study guides, the creation of the ceremonies. I think you had that similar discussion as in uh, Canada about how do you encourage people here to naturalize if they see their future in the country. And actually, what the UK was doing, um, having those discussions about uh, promoting common citizenship, influenced a lot of the policies on the continent. You had, most notably in France, but also in Germany, uh, Norway, Portugal, Netherlands, all the countries that I list here, used the UK Life in the UK test, and also the citizenship ceremonies, and some of the discussions about common identity, common values, when they adopted policies. Um, the Canadians thought that they copied it from them, but if you read their documents, they felt more comfortable, of course, once it became a European practice in the UK, uh, to look at it for their own countries. On this map, you just see uh, that the UK's uh, citizenship requirements, uh, this is therefore the Life in the UK test, uh, don't come out as uh, inclusive as some of these other countries. That's because in countries like Germany, Norway, Portugal, Canada, the US, they offer free courses and other free forms of support for people to pass these uh, requirements. So I, I'll end here. Um, if you go on the MIPEX blog, you'll see that we've also done a section about a family visa, because I know that that was uh, recently discussed by David Cameron um, on how uh, age limits work in the UK, um, what's the point of pre-entry tests. And there, um, we go through and give you some of the comparative data on uh, how few other countries have uh, age limits and how few countries have been able to adopt uh, language requirements for family reunion that actually 
in our book, would lead to uh, favorable learning environments uh, for immigrants.